0: It's time
1: for Curious City, your chance to ask questions about
2: Chicago, the region, or its people. Or animals. This week, we bring you tales of our region's critters, from flying bats to scurrying lizards. What's hanging out in your
1: backyard? You might be surprised to learn about your flying or four-legged neighbors. Look
2: up, look down, but most importantly, stay tuned.
1: WBEZ's Curious City is supported by The Chopping Block. Chicago's premier recreational cooking school, offering boot camps, intensive five-day courses at the Merchandise Mart Mirror Professional Culinary School without the commitment, information, registration, and gift cards at thechoppingblock.com. And by Dover, a diversified global manufacturer committed to delivering product innovation and customer service in the energy, engineered systems, fluids, and refrigeration and food equipment markets. More at dovercorporation.com.
3: Who's the? What is going to be? When? Were Where they? do I? Why is it? How many? What is
1: the?
2: What? <laughs> You're listening to Curious City. I'm multimedia producer Logan Jaffe, and
1: I'm senior producer Jennifer Brandell. So, let's go back to two summers ago, when we got a question from Rory Keene. He was in Chicago's downtown loop, just
2: strolling along.
3: I was heading towards the lakefront.
2: He was right at Dearborn and Adams, then out of nowhere...
3: It was really a bizarre turn of events.
2: He looked down and...
3: Lo and behold, I saw this kind of, like, tawny, brown lump on the sidewalk.
2: And he wasn't quite sure what to make of it.
3: Uh, at first I thought someone had discarded their, like, fried chicken or whatever. But as he got
2: closer,
3: saw it twitch real quick and next thing I knew it grew wings and it was flying you know right around my ankles and, and then right past my face.
2: And quickly he realized that was not someone's fried chicken.
3: It was a bat.
2: Which prompted Rory to ask Curiosity
3: this question: How did a bat get in the loop? How many of them are down here? And where are their favorite hangouts?
1: Lucky for all of us, the Urban Wildlife Institute at the Lincoln Park Zoo has been studying where bats hang out
2: around Chicago for the past two years. But researcher Liza Lair says it's unlikely bats spend much of their time in the loop.
4: I think skyscrapers in the loop are probably not areas that they're really using. They're probably hanging out downtown, flying over it, eating all the insects that they can out of the parks and using that space. But they're probably not actually roosting in those areas. Lair guesses there could be up to 1,000 bats in the loop, but that's just a guess because the study
2: actually avoided downtown. So Rory's question is basically unanswerable, and it's likely the bat Rory saw downtown was just on a lunch break. But we did learn
1: other spots where bats most definitely live. For their study, the Urban Wildlife Institute selected 18 sites to monitor in the Chicago area. Most of the sites were in Cook and Kane County forest preserves and golf courses, but they also looked in the city, right at the Lincoln Park Zoo's Nature Boardwalk.
4: The idea was to look at how bats are using our urban environment. Where do we find them? Where do we have the most species diversity? And how does that change in the landscape?
2: And we should mention, bats aren't the easiest creatures to study. To do it right, you need special bat-detecting technology. So we bring our question asker Rory over to the Bat Lab at the Lincoln Park Zoo one day to check it out with some help from a bat expert.
3: The bat expert. Yeah,
2: she's a, a chiropologist. Is that what I both? think that's what it is?
3: Chiroptology. Yeah. Who devotes their life to chiroptology?
2: Hi. Hi. That would be Julia Kilbore, another bat researcher at the zoo. This is our question asker, Rory. Oh. Okay. Rory tells her the story of that time he nearly stepped on a bat.
3: It was definitely furry, and maybe. Auburn, red, so it was... And
2: Kilgore's already able to identify it.
0: So that was an eastern red bat. Eastern red bats are a migratory species. It's quite possible that, like many birds, they're flying over Lake Michigan and hanging out in Chicago for a while and then continuing on their migration southward. We, We actually heard them, got recording calls of them flying around the zoo, so we know that they are at least this close to the loop.
1: Kilgore explains how they record bat calls to figure out the
0: species and their activity. Uh, I can show you a detector. It's not a glamorous piece of machinery. These are basically really fancy microphones that we stick into the sky.
1: These slender black mics are special and expensive because they only pick up
0: ultrasonic frequencies, so pitches of sound that are above human hearing. So as the bats are flying overhead and they're echolocating as they go, these microphones are picking up all of their calls and recording them.
1: Echo locating is how bats navigate the world, by sound, not so much sight. So they bounce their vocalizations off of objects and listen for the echo to gauge their surroundings. The zoo uses these special mics to identify bats around
0: our area. Each species sort of has their own kind of song. It's a very simple song, but it's essentially a song. And just by the notes that they're singing, we can tell which kind of species it is.
1: Researchers can take the recordings and shift the bat call frequencies into ranges that human ears can detect. Here are some examples. This is the sound of a hoary bat. This is a silver-haired bat. And
2: here's what a big brown bat sounds like. Okay, so based on all the recordings and research done around golf courses and forest preserves and the Lincoln Park Zoo, Here's what they've learned so far. Chicago golf courses are popular bat hangouts, particularly for the common hoary bat and the tiny eastern pipistrelle. And there's lots of bat activity in local forest preserves, too. Eastern red bats, silver-haired bats, and evening bats all hang out there. And the Zeus Liza Lair says some species, like the big brown bat, hang out almost anywhere maybe even right upstairs.
4: Certainly they like older buildings. I've heard that they like old churches, barns, things like that. So Bucktown, Wicker Park area, but I'm sure anywhere all around the city where they can use those spaces, they're probably using them.
1: To Larer, any sign of bat life is a good one. There are two big reasons she's encouraged by finding so many bats around here. The first is bats are insectivores, so they eat a lot of insects, including mosquitoes. And that other reason?
4: What's really exciting about what we found so far is all seven species that you would find in northeastern Illinois are actually using very urban. Cook County, like living right here in Chicago, is really exciting. And especially that some of those species are the species that are affected directly by white-nose syndrome. White-nose syndrome. It's a fungal disease that
2: affects bats when they're hibernating. It's spread to millions of bats and has already killed millions, too. Sometimes white-nose will kill 98% of bats in a given location. That means finding so many bats living around our area, well, Lair sees it as a relief. But what's Rory's
1: take? Remember, he had that freaky moment where he almost stepped on a bat. You know, bats are a scary animal to many people. But do you think it's scarier to not have them potentially around?
3: See where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, when you come across something really puzzling, like white-nose syndrome is, it, that's alarming. If it spells the end for bats, it's, it's going to throw things out of balance for us. You know, what we've done is impressive in one regard, but could it have all worked out without the contributions of even these tiny, erratically flying, illogical mammals that we call bats, uh, no.
2: You can learn more about Chicago's bat populations, white-nose syndrome, and even play around with an interactive graphic we made of some popular bat hangouts around the city. Seriously, check out the graphics. Logan
1: basically broke the internet to make them. <laughs> Sorry. That's at wbez.org CuriousCity.
2: So Rory Keene is not the only one wondering about local critters. Aaron Dernbaugh is the director of sustainability at Loyola University. He's got another question about the Chicago habitat.
5: What part of the city has the most biodiversity? So the most diversity of plants, the animals, and bird species.
1: So here's the short answer.
5: The honest answer is that you can't be sure.
1: That's Greg Spireus. He's a botanist and plant ecologist with the Illinois Natural History Survey.
5: Nobody has counted every single plant and animal in the Chicago area and said this area here has this many species of all these different types for sure.
1: So we can't be sure. But Greg tells us how to make an educated guess. Look for a large piece of land
2: with a lot of habitat variety. So based on size and variety, we settle on a park on the southeast side of Chicago called Powderhorn Prairie and Marsh.
5: So we're sitting in the Chicago Lake Plain, which is sort of a flattened area that was formerly the the lake bed of Lake Michigan.
2: This guy is Chip O'Leary, a resource ecologist with the Forest Preserve District of Cook County.
5: And why we're here is this site really has tremendous biodiversity.
2: What's funny is that this area doesn't
1: seem promising. Trains roll by, there are smokestacks on the horizon. It's very industrial. But Chip says the surrounding industry is actually one of the reasons why this area became a park in the first place.
5: It had uh, industry happening, but industry would buy big tracts of land, and they didn't develop all those tracts.
2: So this part of Chicago ended up being protected in a way because it was owned but not used.
1: Powderhorn Prairie is big, around 130 acres. But does it have that habitat variety that Greg Spireas told us about? It turns out the answer is yes, thanks to the magic of dune and swale topography here by Lake Michigan.
5: So as the the waves came in, they would push up a little bit of sand and create this long, linear stretch of sand. And it would create these dunes. They're only about three to five feet high.
2: In the valley of the dunes, there's swampy wetland habitat that's called swale. On top of the dunes, there's a dry prairie habitat. This rare combination of environments makes for tons of biodiversity. Depending on the season, there's between 40 and 100 bird species at Powderhorn and about 200 plant species.
5: Lowland hog peanut ticklegrass, common water whorehound, white snake root.
2: There's also prickly pear cactus, if you can believe it.
5: In addition to cactus, there are a few other things you might not expect out here, but there's a few lizards that really only survive in these small sand pockets throughout this part of the Midwest.
2: Lizards. Cactus.
1: Chicago? Who would have thought? Or even better, what does Aaron Dernbaugh think? Remember, he got us strapping on our boots to find out about biodiversity in the first place.
5: You know, we're not some other generic place in the world. We are Chicago. We're this land of prairies and wetlands and Lake Michigan. And it's also just as much a part of who we are as the stockyards, as the city of big shoulders.
1: That's a pretty big idea biodiversity as a point of civic
2: pride, just like Chicago skyscrapers, it's pizza, it's neighborhoods. And it's one more reason to get outside and look around. Just be careful not to step on a cactus or get pooped on by a bat. I think it's called guano. Guano wrap it
1: up? (laughs) Yes. Reporting for both of our stories comes from me, Jennifer Brandel. And me, Logan Jaffe. Curious City is produced by WBEZ and AIR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism.
3: You know, as Herzog might put it in, in one of these forthcoming documentaries that uh, I'm sure it's on his plate... The world of the bat, it's both primordial and dark. Their eyes are not attuned to the same sensations that we as human beings have. And thus, cloaked in darkness, they go on with their lives, oblivious but sated by a night's hunt with the gnats and mosquitoes. I don't know. (laughs) Oh
2: my god. Are you his ghostwriter? Hey, so if you're listening to this right now, you're probably listening to our podcast. So you know what we would really appreciate if you were to go to where you got that podcast and give us know some stars there.
1: A review maybe? That would be great. I'm looking at iTunes right now and we just got a review from someone named Sweet Hat Fan, which I'm sure they were wearing a sweet hat when they wrote that. Obviously. This. Uh, they said, Charming and informative. One of my favorite new podcasts. And gave us five stars. Thank you so much for taking a couple minutes and repaying this free content we <laughs> slave over every week for your ears. Yeah, charming we try. Sometimes we, we succeed. Thank you for taking a minute and and really, we, we very much appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.